Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. All right. Uh, Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 14. It's going to take me a few minutes to get there because what I first want to do is do a quick reminder. Pull up maybe the five P's, guys. Um, We talked a few weeks ago about partnering with God and you're a disciple of Christ. If you're, if you are in relationship with Christ, um, you, and you've, you've done what many of the people in this room have done. You've yielded your life to Christ. You've believed in him. Then, then you are not only a believer, but you're a believer who's becoming a disciple. So I, I kind of just view everybody in here. I just choose to see you by faith as disciples of Christ, people who have discipline in their walk with God, who's going the right direction. Uh, if, if, if anybody's going the right direction in your life, say amen. Okay. And so the reality is that to part, we're partners with God. He, he's called us to, to be partners where, where he's, he's the, the head, but we're part of this body walking with him. And there's, there's, I could probably come up with a whole bunch of other words and, and you'd be surprised. I can make them kind of all begin with P like preachers do. Cause I used to be a gangster rapper, but anyways, the reality is I could, I could, bring a lot of more words, but I feel like the Holy Spirit is wanting us to focus on these words that in these areas that we need to partner with God in any place of our life, in your family, in your business, any place where you are not partnering with God, you need to come back into alignment with him, come back into alignment with his word. Because listen, when you, you remember me saying this, when you advance in your relationship with the Lord, you advance everywhere. If you advance in money or you advance in your job or you advance in some skill or you advance in any other area, it doesn't really mean you advanced anywhere. But you, if you advance in your relationship with the Lord, you can advance anywhere because he overflows through your life. And it's only the stuff that you, uh, it's only the things that God accomplishes in, in and through your partnership with him that matter. The stuff you accomplish doesn't matter. The stuff I accomplish doesn't matter. Even the stuff we accomplish doesn't really matter. We may be impressed by by this or that, but in reality, it's only the things that God accomplishes through our individual partnership with him and our partnership with him. That's the stuff that matters. That's the stuff that will stand the test of time. That's the stuff that's worth sacrificing for. That's the stuff that's worth going through a battle for. Anybody ever been through a battle? That's the stuff that's worth having endurance for. And so I felt like the Lord was speaking, and last week I talked about some of it and just stopped halfway through, didn't even get close to getting done. I don't even know if I'll get done today. But the reality is I feel like God wants us to focus on these five things. And each of us coming, each of us approaching this time as I'm a partner with God. I'm a partner with God and I'm going to walk in a faithful partnership with God. Nobody wants an unfaithful partner. Nobody wants an unfaithful partner. I'm going to partner with God and and examine as as we listen to, as we look at some of this stuff, examine your partnership with God, not to take shame, not to take blame, 
but to take responsibility. I want to examine my partnership with God and, and begin, to, begin to look at this. And so, so the things that we talked last week, and I'll just do a quick one-two skip a few, and then we'll pick up in Matthew chapter 14. But we talked about Jesus uh, when, and this is all in Matthew chapter 6, we, we looked at the phrases of when Jesus, through the book of Matthew, where Jesus started saying, O ye of little faith. And Jesus, he loves us enough to confront us because little faith can be a big problem. Little faith can be a big problem in our life. And we, we got we to gotta trust the Lord because it's faith that's going to get you through, y'all. And that's why Jesus prayed for us. I believe he prays for us. He, he says in the Bible that he prayed for Peter. Remember the story, Peter? Uh, Jesus told Peter that Satan has asked He's asked you, called you by name to, to sift you, meaning shake you and separate you from me is what he's saying. And Jesus said, but I've prayed for you. And you know, y'all. hopefully you know what I'm about to say. If you don't know what I'm about to say, you've not paid attention in church. Because Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. Think about it. Think about it. Jesus says, Satan has asked for you. What you talking about, Jesus? What do you mean he's asking for me? He said, but don't worry about it. I've prayed for you. And Jesus didn't pray that Satan would leave him alone. What Jesus prayed was, Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith doesn't fail. It would be in your best interest to know what causes you to fumble your faith. And then do something about it. I fumbled back in high school in one game. uh, Actually, this was in middle school. This is in middle school. I fumbled. Coach literally made me carry a football around. And I think I lost it during the day. <laughs> so I had to run extra at practice. It didn't really do anything, so it didn't help me out at all. But don't fumble your faith. Matter of fact, tell your neighbor, say, don't fumble your faith. So Jesus speaking there around Matthew 6. And let's just pull up, pull up that slide, guys. I just did do a summary thing for you, for you to see. When Jesus said why he's talking about money, and he's talking about you can't serve you know, God and mammon. And he says, why do you worry? He said, why do you worry? Why do you worry about money and about all? Why do you worry? See, some of us think like it's responsible to worry. Like if you're not worrying, you're not being responsible. But what you need to know is if you're worrying, you're being irresponsible. (laughs) I still love you. But we don't need to worry. Worry is a, is a waste of time. What we need to do is be responsible. And if there's some area of our life that I have control in when it comes to money and it comes to stewardship and it comes to trusting God, then I, instead of wasting time worrying, I need to, uh, need to make the most of the opportunity and the things in front of me to realign my stewardship to be faithful with whatever amount of money I got. And those who have no money, your, no, your lack of money lies to you. And some of you who have tons of money, your tons of money lies to you. Because whether you're in need or whether you're not in need is beside the point. What, how much you have is totally irrelevant. It's the stewardship of what you have. And there's people in this room that your lack of money lies to you and you, you say, well, I don't have enough to be a good steward. Once I get more money, I'll become a better steward. And I'll tell you, it's probably the other way around. Once you become a better steward, you're probably going to have a little bit more money. 
And then there's others of you that, that have so a ton of money. It's like, I don't need to worry about it. I've got cushion. I've got whatever. And you're not being responsible. And, and you need to like, because, you're, because you have a lot, you think, I don't really have to like count the, the pennies anymore. And I don't really have to have a budget because I'm not really in need. Well, all your money is not about you. And if you were a better steward of your money, you could help a whole bunch of other people. And so he's talking about money and he, and he says, he, he brings up this question, why do you worry? And that word worry is one of the root words of the word anxiety. And that word anxiety means to be distracted from the whole. That means you're not seeing the big picture. You're not seeing the complete view. And when, the, when it comes to money, we get, we get divided and distracted or really distracted into a divided um, uh, viewpoint and we don't see the whole picture. And we see money like compartmentalized, this, that, or whatever, and we don't see the whole thing because worry, worry is anxiety, and it, mean, it means that you are overly anxious, you're overly stressed, and overly thinking in a, in a negative way about money, and you're distracted from the whole, and it literally speaks to the definition of the word anxiety, speaks to being pulled into multiple directions at the same time so as to be pulled into pieces. Being pulled in multiple directions at the same time. So, I don't know what to do. I'm just full of anxiety. Being pulled from every kind of cord that I could be pulled from at the same time. And I'm about to lose my mind. I'm about to be pulled apart. But the thing that, that helps us is, is to trust God and refocus on the whole. Refocus on the big picture. Re, refocus on Him. And that's where that provision is. That, that my God shall supply all my according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And you, you refocus on the whole. I don't know how this is going to work out, but this is going to work out for good. This little thing and this little thing and this little thing. I don't need to worry on this level because I'm going to be faithful on this level, but I'm not going to worry on this level because I know God's already got the next level covered. And I'm just going to partner with him. I'm going to do what he says. If you ever find yourself asking God in your partnership with him as you pray, if you ever find yourself asking God to partner with you, like, God, I think we could do it this way. You got your partnership a little backwards. It's you aligning to him. So don't worry. You don't worry. You don't waste a thought of worry. You, you go back to, 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 God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to look at the whole. I'm going to look at this whole, and I'm going to trust you that you are my provider. The second thing that we talked about um, was, and Jesus said it this way, um, he said, why are you so fearful? He said, why are you so fearful? And that's the, they're in the, the, remember Jesus was asleep in the boat, they're in the storm. Why are you so fearful? That word, it speaks about being fear-driven. Jesus is asking this legitimate question, why do you worry? And why, why are you so fearful? If you'll ask yourself those questions, you'll get to the root of why you do it. See, it's not just what you do. Repenting for what you do is one thing, but repenting for why you do it gets to the root of the problem and pulls it up from the root. Why am I so fear-driven? Jesus is asleep on the boat. He's not fear-driven. He's asleep in the storm. He's not, he's not all worried and freaked out. He's asleep. So why, why are we so fear-driven? And, and this, this means being timid and being cowardly. 
being, being a coward is what it's speaking to. And it means always thinking the worst, always thinking negative, always, always just thinking the, the worst. And so, so having confidence and having courage is being asleep on the boat. Being like, we're going to the other side. So I don't know what kind of storm you're in. I don't know what kind of thing you might be facing. But I want you to have courage. Because my God, is, it says, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, my God you know, did not give us, a, God did not give us a spirit of, but of love and of power and of sound mind. And so why, why are we fearful? And I think Jesus is asking, why, why are you worrying? Like, like, you're looking at these circumstances, why are you worrying? You have no right to worry. Why are you fearful? The storm. Look, and see, if you get your eyes on the Lord, you'll know, oh, it's time to sleep. It's not time to stress. So why are you so fearful? And I'm just going to take a sec. I think somebody has popped into my mind. We'll see if this person's here. I don't want to call them out at first unless I, everyone's like, oh, don't look at everything. It's funny. I'm looking at y'all. Y'all turning your head down like, don't. This is one of those times. If, you, if a, a guest is here, just like, don't look at them. Don't look at them right now. I don't really know if they're here. I'll just call his name out. I don't care. Brian Wade, are you here? Where are you at? You're in the back. Okay, back. I feel like the Lord just highlighted something to me about you. And I ain't talked to you and ain't caught up with you in a while. That you had, this is what I sense. You've been through a storm. And I feel like the Lord wants you to know that even through your frustrations, because um, you, you know that you can get frustrated and your frustrations get in your way sometimes, but that you had a choice to make and you chose something. Like you chose him. You chose to trust. And there's a while back in a storm, you had a choice to make. But you chose, even though you weren't like you struggled with it, you still chose to trust God and be faithful. And I feel like he wants you to highlight you and say, I'm taking note of your faithfulness that it didn't remove all the questions and it didn't remove, remove all the frustrations, but you chose to be faithful even when, when you, you were struggling. You chose to be faithful. And I believe the Lord is going to bring clarity into you. I, the, the main thing I sense right now is he wanted you to, to know and like point out that you, that you were faithful in a time of, of uncertainty and really, a time of frustration is the vibe that I got. A, a time of frustration. And you choose to trust God when you didn't really want to in your own strength. And that he so admires that about you and like he wants to point that out. And I just want to pray into you and Stephanie your whole life. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for Brian. Thank you for his family. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given him a, a strength. And I thank you, Lord, that, that you've helped him to be faithful even in times of trial. And I thank you that you, you show him the next step. Show him the next puzzle piece, God. Show him the next thing to do, Lord. And I pray you renew in him and renew in his family a courage to believe you, a courage to trust you, God. Because I believe you're bringing them to the other side. And they're coming through the storm. They're coming through the battle and that you're going to refresh them and strengthen them, God. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Brian ain't scared for pastor to call him out. Um, praise the Lord. Um, all right. Where's that?
So fear-driven. So what I want to do is, uh, is the next one, the next one was, what was the next one? The next one was unbelief. Remember, Jesus was in his own hometown, and he couldn't do many mighty miracles because of their unbelief. Think about that. Jesus could not do many miracles because of their unbelief. And that word unbelief there is double-mindedness. And, and, it, and it speaks to, uh, no, that word's not double-mindedness. That word is actually just lacking faith. That's word, it, that word is, is having, having just, just, you don't have any, any um, you're without faith. You don't, have, you don't have any faith. You don't have any, and here's what faith is. Faith is divine persuasion. That's what faith is, that you are divinely being inspired by God, persuaded by God. And Abraham was fully persuaded by God. And so these people in, the, in their time, they just had no, they had no divine, they were without faith. They were without faith. There's no divine persuasion. And if there's no divine persuasion, that means there's undivine things persuading you. So the question to really ask yourself is, what persuades me? Uh, praying about this little boy. Uh, do we believe the Lord? Praying about people in, in your family, in your own life, in your own family, in your own neck of the woods. Praying for the miraculous power of God. Do I believe God is able? Do I believe God is willing? Do I believe God is, is all-powerful and is, is He all, almighty? And is He a healer? Is He, is he one who uh, baptizes with the Holy Spirit and gives strength and gives power and, and gives hope? Can my God call all things that are not as though they were. Can my God raise the dead? Can my God, my God heal the sick? Absolutely. So it's not letting things that have happened. All of us have had stuff that have happened that has challenged our faith and really hurt us at different times that we've got to choose to believe. If we never see it happen again in the natural, we have to choose to believe the living word of God over the circumstances of men. And not create a new doctrine to, to satisfy our, our questions. Because sometimes when things, things look one way here, but they don't show up that way here, we tend to start uh, doubting this. And what we need to do is say, Holy Spirit, examine me. Is there something I did on my level of partnership? Is there something that I got in the way? Is there something that somebody else did or the devil did or whatever? Or God, is there something that you did that's beyond my understanding? God, help me to trust in the times that I don't know what's going on, but help me never to lose fact in no matter what kind of sickness I face. God, you are healer. No matter what kind of lost condition I see, God, you are savior. And let me never change in my, in my heartbeat for that so that I will never be a person who's without faith. I don't ever want to be without faith, without divine persuasion. Because if you're without divine persuasion, you are set up to be persuaded by darkness and deception. So Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. And let's look in verse. This is where Jesus, the disciples were out on a boat and Jesus came walking to them on water. Let's just look at verse um, 28. Uh, let's go to verse 26 because it shows how weird people are. Verse 26. Um, Matthew 14, verse 26. When you got it, say got it. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. 
They're so spiritual. And they cried out for fear. See, they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. He just speaks to them. Do not be afraid. That's, that's Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, releasing faith to, to overcome fear in the moment. And verse 28. Which, by the way, you know, you can do that to yourself. If Christ lives in you and you find yourself in fear, you can say, do not fear. In Jesus' name, I will not fear. You speak to yourself. Jesus spoke the remedy. He spoke faith to remove fear. You have to speak faith to overcome fear because fear will speak. So you need to speak faith as the antidote to fear. And so, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, because it's kind of like, you still kind of look like a ghost. (laughs) Lord, if it's you, sounds like you, but if it's you, command me to come on, to come to you on the water. He didn't say command me to come on the water. He said, command me to come to you on the water. It wasn't like, hey, I'd love to walk on water. That'd be so cool. No, command me to come to you. Because in a time of fear, the greatest thing you can do is whatever you need to do to get closer to him. Whatever you need to do to get closer to him. But when he, uh, uh, so um, verse 29. So he said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Not about the water, it's about Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. Um, and beginning to and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and said to him, Peter, you tried. Not like those other jokers in the boat. You tried. No, he said, Oh, ye of little faith. Why did you doubt? Jesus. Jesus cared so much about his faith walk. He didn't stop and say, you got out of the boat. You're the only, Peter, do you realize because of your faith right now that you're the only other person in Scripture that's ever going to walk have walked on water besides me? Look at what you just did. This is not failure. Jesus loved Peter enough in the midst of what he did that nobody else in the boat did. Nobody else got out of the boat. And so if I was Peter and people started running their mouth, oh, you sank. Be like, well, you sat. At least I got out of the boat. You know, but, but Jesus loved him so much that he confronted his unbelief. He confronted his doubt. And he says, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, this word doubt is different than the other word doubt that we talked about a minute ago. This word doubt means double-mindedness. This word doubt is, is a double-mindedness. And what it means is that you are literally, you are literally between two different options. You're between these two different options. And so uh, what happens is in, in between these two options is your 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 you're wavering between the two opinions. You're, you're, you're hesitating. You're hesitating. See, normally if you just had, like Peter, when he had faith and he wasn't, he wasn't full of doubt, when Jesus said, come, he didn't hesitate. He stepped out of the boat and went. 
But then when he saw the wind and the waves, that now he was, there was two things, Jesus and the natural. There was the spiritual and the natural. And if you, if you remember the story, the spiritual is on top of the natural. Doing what was unnatural. Walking on the water. Peter was walking on the water. And instead of realizing what the authority Jesus gave, that Jesus gave him authority over the natural, that's faith, he ended up getting his eyes off of Jesus and onto the wrong things. And so when he saw those things, what you say and what you see can determine which direction you go. Like Jesus earlier said, uh, why, do you, why do you worry? Why do you say? Why do you say, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Why do you talk that way? See, faith talks, but fear talks. Why do you talk that way? So what you say, what you say not only reveals what your, what your beliefs are, but it actually can create those beliefs. And then what you see, what you notice, what gets your attention, the things that you notice and the things that you're, you're looking at. He's looking at the wrong things. He needs to get his eyes back on Jesus. So be very careful what you say. Be very careful what you see. And Jesus said, why do you doubt? Why do you hesitate between these two options? Why are you, why are you, why are you find yourself you know, stuck here? Because my promise, my promise was, was spoken in a word saying, come, meaning come to me. That was my promise. Many of you, God has promised you, God, not just you take a promise and try to make it work for your life, but God has spoken to you at intimate times in your life about, about promises over you and over your family. And I know a lot of winds and a lot of waves have come. But don't get your eyes on them. You believe the promise. You believe the one who promised you. Because even if you die before the promise is ever fully received in the natural, you'll die in faith. You'll die in faith. So don't waver. What you got to know, what causes you to waver between these two options? The last thing I want you to see is in Matthew 16. Skip over to Matthew 16. And let's look in verse 5. We'll start in verse 5. Let's read Matthew 16, starting at verse 5. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we have taken no bread? But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Oh, you of little faith. I Listen, I love how little faith is a big deal to Jesus. That he stops and he doesn't baby us. He'll stop and he'll confront you in love. He'll confront you in love. Why are you, why are you fearful? Why are you worrying? Why do you doubt? See, we don't do that to each other. Some of us do occasionally when we're feeling it, but most of the time somebody shares a circumstance about the storm and we're like, wow, that was a big storm. Oh my, almost like we sympathize with the worry. We sympathize with the fear. 
And now our, we're coming into agreement with, golly, that was a big storm. Or, wow, if that happened to me, I don't know what I'd do. Oh, you're kidding me. Instead of being able to, to understand, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice, say, that's, yeah, that's a bad day. That's a, that's a tough circumstance. But my God is able. Now, I realize if you come talking to me that way and I'm having a bad day, I'm probably not going to appreciate it in the moment. And I'm probably going to be like, oh, oh, give me a faith first. Go ahead. Yeah, give me a faith first. And, and, and you know, it's irritating. I get that. So don't be all like, you know, super evangelist. Oh, well, just believe the Lord. Uh, don't be like that. But speak faith. Speak faith. Like, man, this is really tough, and I'm going I'm to help with you. Walk you th- I'm going to walk with you through this because you know what? The Lord's got this. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it. I love how Jesus confronts their lack of faith. I love it. So he says, oh, you little faith, why do you reason among yourselves? Because you have no bread. Because you brought no bread. Verse 9. Uh, Do you not understand or remember the five loaves or the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up, nor the seven loaves and the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they understood that he did not tell them uh, to be aware uh, that that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So this thing about, there's a whole lot more to the story that I won't have time to unpack right now, but what he's saying is, what he's saying is, like, I'm confused hanging around with you people. I'm confused. I come from a kingdom of faith. I come from a kingdom of, we don't think this way where I'm from. We don't think this way. So why why do you reason among yourselves? So you study this word reason, you study this phrase reason among yourselves. This is the funniest thing to me. This is the definition of this is the, the definition of the phrasing reason among yourselves. Look at this definition. So it means confusion. It means one confused person <laughs> interacting with another confused person. And what ends up happening if you do the math is they multiply their confusion. Anybody ever been there done that? So so when you're struggling to understand the things that Jesus is telling you, you need to be very careful who you talk to. Need to be very careful the YouTube videos you watch. You need to be very careful the, the teachers and the churches that you go listen to because they pull your emotional strings and make you feel better. Maybe the Lord's not wanting you to feel better. Maybe the Lord's wanting you to do better. Because feeling better can numb irresponsibility. The Lord always has your good in store. He always wants to bless you. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But sometimes the raw reality of your disobedience needs to be felt. So that the grace and love of Almighty God can be activated. You come back into alignment with the calling on your life. And one of the worst things we can do as the body of Christ, is numb numb the pain of people's consequences and call it love. 
I can love you in your consequences. And I can love you in your rebellion against the Lord. But I can't lead you until you stop rebelling. And so it's not an issue of love. I can love you. I can love you. I can love you no matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing. I can love you. But the problem is I can't lead you. If you just want to feel better and you don't want to do better. Doing better doesn't make you better because Jesus, Jesus love for you. He gave you a new identity, which made you the best. You just got to remember who you are in him and, and come, come back to that. So this thing about confusion is so dangerous because what will happen now in this divided culture that we have, what happens is you find people who agree with you. And so one confused person with another confused person multiplying their confusion, but both of them swear they're right. And they're over here with this group looking at another group, and this is what's happening, saying they're so confused. And what happens is the divide between us gets bigger and bigger and bigger. When what we need is to look back to the word of the Lord, because if we all come back to this, what does God say about this? What does God? So our worldview must be shaped by the Bible, not what we see on CNN or Fox News or any other thing. I don't care what your preferred thing is. It's I, this, his word, Jesus is Lord. He shapes my worldview. He shapes it. I'm not going to stand behind a political party. I'm going to stand behind the Lord, my God. I'm going to stand behind the Lord, my God. And whatever, whatever group at that time, because think people change. Whatever group is following him at that time, that's the one I'm going to stand behind because I'm standing behind him. Paul said, follow me as I follow. And the, bed, the, the, the most awakening thing you can do to stay away from this, this confusion of reason among yourselves because you can get with people who agree with you and then y'all all agree. Great, you all agree. That doesn't mean, just because you got people agreeing with you doesn't mean you're right. You feel better about it because you agree. That's one of the dangerous things of people going through difficult marriage, marriages. They start talking to the wrong people. Coming into agreement with the wrong people. Because I want to feel better and I want to be happy. So this reasoning among yourselves opens you up to doctrines of demons. Reasoning among yourselves opens you up to doctrines of demons. Where demonic entities take elements of truth and twist it. So that it looks like it still comes from the Bible, still has an element of truth, but twisted to the wrong intention. And to the wrong purpose. And that's why I say purpose is the, is the thing about this one. You've got to know the purpose of God. Because the enemy will take a thing and distort its purpose. And that's why we have to know the purpose of the Lord. 
And all five of these, all five of these partnering words, all five of these, we should be evaluating our lives, looking at these things. It would be in your best interest. Lord, help me to see. Help me to see of these five words of, of all of them. God, help me to see which one I'm struggling with. And, and put them up one last time, guys. Put up those five words. Help me to see what of these, what, which ones am I really struggling with. If I degrade myself on, on one to ten, where, where am I struggling, God? Where am I struggling? Do I trust that you are my provision and you are my provider? God, do, do I trust that? Do, am I aware of your presence even, even in times of battle and even in times of hardship? Is, is the God of my mountain also the God of my valley? Or is he just God when I'm feeling good? And when I feel good, it is good. But when I'm feeling bad, if I'm feeling bad, is he still God? Because if he's only God when I feel good, I'm, I'm setting myself up for failure. So if everything's feeling bad, that's okay because nothing has changed. But everything has changed. No, nothing has changed. He's Lord. He reigns. And so I'm going to praise him, you know, in the middle of my valley. So all five of these words, you look at them and you see and you say, God, where am I lacking? And I want the worship team to go ahead and come on up. And here's what I'd like to do. I want to challenge you. Hope, hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving time. And, and as we kind of switch gears this week and begin to, to move towards a Christmas celebration. And um, I believe the Lord's been speaking to me about some things going into Christmas. I don't want to say what it is yet. I'll, we'll talk more about that later. But I want you to just take time to, to like really evaluate these things. Number one, to see yourself as a partner with God. And through your unique partnership with God, He wants to accomplish things through you. He doesn't need you to accomplish anything, but He wants to accomplish things through you. And number two, through these five areas, beginning to look at where do I fumble my faith? Where do I struggle in these things? And then with people who are around you, if you notice somebody who struggles, don't be like, ah, Sean, you struggle with this, loser. Don't be like that. Help, help somebody out. And bring that to the Lord and say, Lord, increase my partnership capacity with you. Increase my partnership capacity with you, God. For me and for my family and for my household. And then for the city, the, the church in which I'm in, God, and the, the, the church family that I'm in. Father, for the, the business that I'm a part of and for, for the community that I'm a part of, for the city that I live in. You begin to think, Lord, how does your partnership not just change me, but how does your partnership with me change everyone I'm connected with? through these areas of his presence. Because I'm telling you right now, little faith is a big problem. Sarah had said her earlier, just shall live by faith. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.